Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. Regular listeners to the program know that each week uh, we do these midweek Ministry Watch extra episodes. We're Still doing our Friday weekly news roundups. Those are the episodes that I do with Natasha Smith. But these Ministry Watch Extra episodes are a chance for us to go deep, you might say, with one of our editorial partners. And today I'm pleased to have back on the program Michael Renault. Uh, Michael is the editor of World Magazine. He came to World after a successful tenure as an award-winning editor of the Greenville Sun, which is a daily newspaper serving East Tennessee. Michael, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Warren. Good to be with you as always. Yeah, you bet. And, uh, you know, Mike, I'd like to begin today by taking a look at uh, Sophia Lee's cover story uh, on the border crisis. I believe it's called Border Backtracking. Uh, this kind of story is not one that Ministry Watch would normally cover. It's more of a, a really a national or even an international story. But uh, we've gotten interested in the story here at Ministry Watch because a lot of Christian ministries, including World Relief, are actively involved in immigrant immigrant care. And I want to talk about that aspect of the story in just a minute. But first, could you tell me about Sophia's story and why uh, you think this issue is significant enough to put on the cover and particularly how Christians should be thinking about this issue? Sure, Warren. Well, to to start off, I mean, the conversation about the border has been one of the hot um, topics with regards to the Biden administration for the last several weeks. It's a story that we've covered a lot at World. Um, it, it's, it's also one of those stories that when you look at, particularly in the last couple of presidential administrations, it seems that folks on both sides of the political aisle stake out their positions and it becomes very predictable, I guess you could say, to figure out uh, which political pundit or which political activists or which groups are going to stake out position X and which are going to stake out position Y. Sometimes that's determined based upon who's on the White House or who controls Congress or whatnot. Um, but during the Trump administration, I mean, world tried to cover this particular issue. If you remember in 2018 and 2019, when the border issue was getting so much attention, World was staking out its coverage as best uh, we could uh, based on a biblical understanding of caring for uh, some of the least of these, caring for uns is one way that our editor-in-chief Marvin Olasky tries to put it, um, caring for people who, yes, there are bad actors who do try to get into our country and, and do lots of nefarious things, but there are lots of people who are trying to get into the United States um, fleeing bad situations where they are. Um, trying to make their own lives better. And some of them get stuck in, in bad situations and are further victimized by people who have bad motivations. So World has tried to come at coverage of this issue with that in mind, um, knowing that there are also lots of Christians rushing into the breach uh, to try to do what they can with, you know, regardless of what's happening in the political sphere, 
they're trying to take care of the people who show up at their doorstep, regardless of if they have uh, good intentions, bad intentions, if they're there because of political brokenness, if they're there because of political expediency, whatever those situations are. So Sophia Lee is a reporter we've had covering this for several several years. She's well-versed in what's at stake. She's well-versed in the policies and the procedures that uh, dictate what happens to folks trying to get into the United States. So we thought it was time, given the situations currently to send her down to the border. So she went to a couple different border camps, um, one in Matamoros, one in Reynosa, Mexico, to do reporting for the story and, and, and came back and reported a story that I, I think it's nuanced, uh, probably more nuanced than what you're going to get in you know some media outlets, uh, again, that are going to stake out position X or position Y for whatever reason. Um, and one of the things that Sophia acknowledges in this, well, she acknowledges a couple of things. One, um, you know, situations were what they were under the Trump administration, but the Biden administration, um, you know, didn't have an easy go of it to to walk in during a pandemic and and to walk in with the border uh, essentially shut down in many respects. But also the Biden administration was probably naive in some of the messaging that was getting out there and in some of the communication the, the Biden administration was having with folks on the ground at the border. So that's one thing that we try to acknowledge. But another thing that we try to acknowledge, too, is that um, the folks who are getting stuck you know, at the border, if they're being led into the United States or if they're being sent back to Mexico – um, or wherever, there are Christians rushing in to try to help them and to try to love them as best they can. And that's part of what we want to try to highlight in our, our coverage of these situations, too. Well, yeah. And Michael, that's obviously something that we're interested in here at Ministry Watch. Uh, and and I really appreciate that explanation because uh, you've really hit on a couple of the reasons why we're interested in the story, why I'm interested in the story, and why I think our uh, listeners should be interested. First, as you explained it, it's a significant story. I mean, it involves geopolitics, President politics, you know, here in this country. Secondly, as you said, Christians are playing a significant role in caring for these immigrants. I know here at Ministry Watch, we've done no less than 19 stories that reference immigration or the migrant crisis in one way or another in the past year and a half. Usually, we're highlighting the work of Christian ministries in dealing with that crisis. But there's another reason that I wanted to talk about this story, Michael, and I'd be interested in your take on it. You've already mentioned that there's that this issue really polarizes people. They'll people want to blame one president or the other, one party or the other, and um, it seems to me that a lot of Christians are forgetting that our first duty, first and foremost, is to love God and love our neighbors. And I think that there's a legitimate conversation to be had about the best way that we as Christians should love our neighbors. Um, but that we have to take responsibility uh, for our neighbors uh, seems to me uh, to be kind of basic. And to say that we have no responsibility is a hard case to make. Um, but still, uh, people are polarized. And I'm just wondering, um, are you getting? Are you guys getting a lot of feedback from your coverage one way or the other? Is it hard to strike the kind of balance that you're not just offending somebody no matter what you say? Well, it, right now, those that climate is pretty challenging, as you alluded to. And I think, I mean, this kind of touches on, Warren, maybe some, some broader issues than just the immigration question itself. But I think one of the negative things that's going on right now is we have over-politicized a whole lot of stuff in our life. Um, 
I mean, you look, you look, so as you and I are recording this a week ago, a week before you and I are recording this, the big conversation in the country was whether or not Major League Baseball should pull out the All-Star game from Atlanta, which it did, um, because of voting rights legislation or voting legislation rather in the state of Georgia. And where you come down on that, you know, whether it was right for MLB to do that, whether it was wrong for MLB to do that, whatever, if you're fine with the laws that pass in Georgia, if you're not okay with the laws that pass in Georgia, I, I think one thing that's easy to say is that everything has become so much more politicized um, now than it was even a few years ago that it's 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 hard to separate, um, you know, principled coverage of some of these things apart from the politicization uh, politicization of of everything that's happening right now. So we're trying really hard in our coverage of the border situation, immigration in general, not to just fall in line with, uh, you know, Republican or conservative or conservative media's take on some of this stuff. And that's one thing that world's gotten criticized for in the past too. We got criticized for it during the Trump administration. But when you look at the scriptures, it's clear and. In the Old Testament, if you look at the covenants that God established with Israel, uh, if you look at the New Testament epistles, God cares for um, people we would call foreigners in whatever our context is. Um, God has made allowances for his people to try to help the foreigners because, I believe, the foreigners in many situations are, I'll go back to the, that uns phrase that Marvin Alasky uses so often. Um, they are, uh, people who are unthought of, um, sometimes people who are uneducated, um, people who are uncared for, generally people who are overlooked. And those are the folks, uh, whom the scriptures tell us we should care about. So I, I think you're exactly right, Warren. There's really not much of any case to be made for not caring, for not trying to do what we can to um, meet the physical needs and hopefully the spiritual needs um, in terms of presenting the gospel, in terms of reassuring folks of the gospel if they already believe it, um, of the folks who are showing up because they are vulnerable, they are overlooked. That's why they're being victimized by drug cartels and and others in some of these places they're in. Um, so the Christians call whether or not you agree with a a more porous border, whether or not you agree with the border being shut down completely, we are not to ignore the folks who show up, show up on our doorstep um, completely. Yeah. Well, Michael, I'd like to pivot in our conversation and talk um, about one more story quickly before we take a break. And that's uh, the story uh, by Leah Hickman, who does a lot of great pro-life coverage for you guys. Uh, it's the story of how pro-abortion activists are misinterpreting a passage of the Bible uh, in the book of Numbers to uh, somehow try get out of the Bible that abortion is okay. Um, that story is called Translation Abuse. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, well, it, it's a really interesting story, and it's the kind of coverage that I don't think you're going to find in many other places, if any other places. And so we wanted to elevate it. We made it the cover story of the particular issue of the magazine that it appeared in. But um, it's funny. We got an email from a reader uh, several months ago. I think it was before the new year. Uh, quibbling with our coverage of, of abortion and our pro-life position on issues. And he cited this passage in Numbers 5. Um, and, and basically, it's uh, God sets up this system whereby if a, if a man suspects that his wife has been unfaithful to him, he can take her to the priest at the tabernacle 
and the priest will create a potion mixing a couple of things together. And the way that most translations handle this is by saying that if the woman drinks this potion, if she's been unfaithful, that um, her thigh will fall away or her womb will fall away. And uh, a few years ago, the New International Version of the Bible rendered that translation um, to say that her abdomen will swell and her womb will miscarry. And so what's been happening in the last few years, uh, some pro-abortion activists have been using this to try to turn Scripture in on itself or try to turn um, Christians in on themselves by saying, look, you say that the Bible doesn't support abortion. Well, here's this passage in Numbers that makes a case for abortion by this translation, her womb will miscarry. Um, and what we found, Leah Hickman, as you said, she does great pro-life coverage for us, but Leah found a couple of examples of where people were kind of hurling this passage at people, you know, at the, at the March for Life in January in Washington, D.C. So we spoke, she spoke with a couple of folks who had heard pro, pro-abortion activists kind of hurling it there. Okay, that's kind of innocuous. You hear all kinds of things at a setting like that. Well, Leah also was watching some proceedings in the South Carolina legislature this year in February, and the legislature there was debating a house, uh, a heartbeat bill, rather, to protect unborn babies. And a Democratic lawmaker used this same argument uh, going back to Numbers 5 and the NIV's translation um, to try to argue against passing this heartbeat bill that they were debating in the legislature. So Leah, recalling the um, reader email we got and some of the interviews she'd done for the story and some of the research she'd done for the story, put put together the story. But basically, she talked with several different scholars, um, translation scholars, including um, one of the translators who was on the NIV's committee that rendered this translation and basically got down to, um, for starters, the NIV is kind of an outlier in terms of translating the text in this way. And, and Leah's story unpacks um, why that is, why they made the decisions that they did, but really why other translations don't render that particular uh, passage the same way into English. But B, even speaking with the particular scholar who is who you know helped translate that for the NIV, um, how he even says to use it to make a pro-abortion argument is really a misuse of that passage. So Leah did the hard work. She talked to a lot of biblical scholars, but she also got real-world examples of why this is an important conversation to have and also why Christians ought to be aware of the particular argument. So it's not just a stuffy, you know, essay on Bible translation and hermeneutics. It gets down to real-world consequences of, uh, you know, looking at Scripture, whether or not you're looking at Scripture the right way and being aware of what um, what translations are, are out there and why people are translating Scripture in certain ways. Well, I agree. It's not stuffy at all, and it's really important. I mean, when these arguments start showing up, for example, in state legislatures, it's something that we need to take a look at, and I'm really glad that World did. really highlights the importance of having a Christian worldview perspective and an understanding of these matters that most mainstream journalists don't have as we look at some of these important issues and important stories. Well, Michael, we've got to take a quick break. When we return, uh, more stories from World Magazine. I've got Michael Renault, the editor of World, as my guest this this week. Um, you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. 
Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Warren Smith with my guest this week, Michael Renault. You know, Michael, one of the biggest stories that, you know, we've all been covering for the past year has been COVID. Um, this is a, another story that is huge generally, but also has, you know, real serious moral and religious components, uh, both for World and for Ministry Watch. Uh, and before we kind of get into that, though, I want you to just summarize for me, if you could, real quickly, a story that Mindy Bells did. And again, another cover story in a recent World uh, magazine. And that is uh, Mindy, who does a lot of great international coverage for you guys, uh, talked about how some countries in the world have had to move to the back of the line. In fact, that's the name of your article when it comes to COVID vaccines, because Western countries are sort of sucking up all the vaccines. Tell me about that story. Yeah, well, this is a story we published earlier this year um, in February. And at this particular moment, I mean, the supply of vaccines um, was not nearly at the level that it is now. I mean, we're in a situation in the U.S. where you know, just about any adult, if you really want the vaccine, you can at least go schedule the appointment and are not held back by a limited supply. Um, two, three months ago, that was not the case here. Certainly, it was not the case around the world. But as we're facing this situation here, and we have that freedom to do that or that ability to do that if we want to, there are lots of countries in the world right now that don't have that supply of COVID vaccines. One of the reasons, as you alluded to, uh, that became apparent in Mindy's reporting is because some of these very strong, wealthy countries, uh, particularly in Europe, were dictating what was going to happen to the early supply of, of vaccines. So Mindy goes through and chronicles in this story uh, the platform, which is called COVAX. Uh, that's the platform that several European countries and Western powers set up along with some of the COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers. Um, and the, the whole idea was to make sure that the, uh, you know, some of these more powerful or, or wealthier Western countries were going to be able to get the supplies that they wanted, but also places like Sub-Saharan Africa or, or, or countries in the third world, um, some places in South America, um, would be able to also get their hands on the, the COVID-19 vaccines too, to try to inoculate their, their folks from it. And what Mindy uncovered is just the way that the, COVAX platform was set up and some of the power that um, some of the countries, and she, she goes through a particular situation where Germany really put its foot down at one point to say, no, we're not going to let any other, <laughs> we're not going to let any other countries right now get their hands on the vaccine until we meet the, uh, we get what we want per the criteria of the contracts that they established with these manufacturers. They really closed off the supply to poorer countries that just did not have access and still do not have access to the doses of COVID-19 vaccine um, 
that the, that the rest of the world does. And so what that does is it further imperils these countries that already have um, really um, tricky, uh, precarious medical situations for whatever reason, um, but are, it really shuts off supply to some of those countries while uh, the countries, again, in the Western part of the world and more powerful, wealthier countries uh, continue to get the vaccines so far as they want it. So it was really, you know, this is another story where at World we talk about trying to bring things on a street level, right? Um, if you're reading a story that's very um, kind of from a 36,000 view perspective all the time, it's really hard to to remember why we should care about stories like that. But many did a great job by trying to go get the stories on the ground to illustrate why these deals that are being made um, from capitals in Europe or over Zoom boardroom meetings among uh, diplomats and scientists, what kind of effect they have on people in the parts of the world that we don't often think about in our day-to-day lives. Well, yeah, no, I agree. It's a great story. And, you know, Michael, this is another story. In fact, any coverage of COVID um, that that always brings up a lot of controversies, almost no matter what you say. Uh, the controversies have been about religious liberty and, um, you know, ministry activities that um, should they or should they not be involved and in what way. Um, have, have you guys been using any guiding principles at World as you've been covering COVID? Or have you been, has, how has the this idea of the uns, the uncared for, the unborn, the uneducated, uh, the, the folks that have no voice in our culture, Culture. How has that idea been guiding the way y'all have covered COVID? Yeah, well, it's a great question, Warren, and it's it's one that we we do spend a lot of time, have spent a lot of time trying to parse out. In fact, right before you and I were on the phone uh, for this interview, um, I just came out of a meeting with other editors talking about this very question with. Uh, you know, at what point do we consider government actions against churches or pastors or things like that unreasonable and discriminatory? And in what cases do we not? You know, a, a couple of things I'll say about that, Warren. Um, yes, to go back to the question of the uns, I mean, we saw in New York with the Cuomo administration's actions with nursing homes. Um, I mean, early in the pandemic, everybody was trying to figure out their best way through this. Everybody was trying to figure out how to. Uh, what are the appropriate responses from a government, from a hospital, from a nursing home, whatever, to try to take care of uh, vulnerable folks? You, if you look at what happened in New York with uh, the Cuomo administration just kind of deciding that folks in nursing homes were just going to be kind of on their own on some of this, and then going back, and what it looks like is that they hid some of the facts and figures uh, to try to minimize the effect on nursing home residents of their decisions on public health matters. Um, that's a clear time when uh, it's e- it's easy to say that the Cuomo administration's actions on that regard really took advantage of people that they had just kind of disregarded, folks in nursing homes. So that's a time when it gets really easy to make that determination in terms of you know how we're going to approach some of our coverage of those questions. Times when it gets harder, should the government have the authority to restrict? Sunday worship? Or should the government have the authority to ask churches to uh, limit how many people they're they're bringing in for uh, worship services, for any other activities at a church? And we had our, a conversation today about what are the, what does Romans 13 mandate of Christians in terms of obeying the civil authorities God has placed over us? Um, but also, at what point can we stand up and say, no, the civil authorities have 
gone too far. If you look at what's happened in California, John MacArthur has made a lot of headlines over the last year, and we've talked to him and we've covered his um, his protests against the authorities there in California. Yep. And by and large, his church and others have won their legal cases in California because California really was not applying certain standards with an even hand there. If you look at things that have happened in Canada um, with with situations we've we've also covered there, it really looks like the civil authorities are are coming at churches and certain times or religious institutions with a much heavier hand than they are other parts of society. So I think those are times, Warren, we can say that this really isn't fair. This is kind of discriminatory. This isn't something that Christians should just be okay with. At the same time, there have been lots of times when, you know, I think particularly early on in the pandemic, there were some cases in Florida where Christians were asking questions about standing up for their rights, and and that's well and good, but it seems like questions about protecting and caring for the vulnerable kind of got pushed back to the back burner. And for starters, that's that's not a really good look for the church, to be perfectly honest with you, my take on that. But secondly, um, that's really not the question we should be asking. If you look at the early church, I mean, Paul appealed to Christians to, you know, stand on their rights as Roman citizens and and plead their cases. Uh, but also Paul and certainly Peter, if you look at his epistles, made clear that, look, um, we are sojourners, we are exiles in this place. That means that we should expect hard times to come and discrimination to come. The really a foundational question is, are we loving God? Are we loving our neighbors by how we're acting and the kind of rights we're trying to stand on as as believers? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you bringing all those issues to the forefront, as you guys often do at World, and that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for our association with you, Michael. I just... Uh, uh, have to bring our time now, though, to a close. And I just want to say once again, thanks so much for um, being on the program today. And thanks for all the great work you and your colleagues do at World. Thanks, Warren. I, I appreciate you saying that. It's it's good to work with you. And I appreciate you having me on your program. Thank you. You bet. Well, to find out more about World Magazine, but also the other uh, things that World does, they've got some kids' publications, they've got TV, they're doing video now, they've just got all kinds of great stuff going on. But especially if you want to hear about the, uh, learn more about the stories that we discussed today, you can go to their website. It's worldnewsgroupwng.org. To find out more about Ministry Watch, you can go to ministrywatch.com. And uh, a couple of quick notes before we go. Ministry Watch is offering Marvin Olasky's classic book, Prodigal Press, as our gift to donors this month. The book was originally published in 1988, and I had the privilege of helping Marvin revise that book in 2013 on its 25th anniversary. You can just go to our website, ministrywatch.com, and hit the donate button at the top of the page. We'll send you the book for a gift of any amount, though, of course, we hope you'll be generous. And I also want to let you know that even if you don't want to or can't make a donation, there's still something that's easy and free that you can do to help us out. Just rate this program on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the better the program performs with search engines. A rating doesn't cost you a dime, and it really does help us out a lot. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database, technical, and editorial support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, and Casey Suddeth. Thanks to Sophia Lee, Jamie Dean, Lee Hickman, and Mindy Bells of World for providing material that Michael and I discussed today. And of course, I'd like to once again thank my special guest, Michael Renault, World Magazine's editor. 
I'm Warren Smith, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.